passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are so many superstars I would love to face. But there's only one that I want to beat. And he is the man that has made my life a living hell since I've been the general manager of Monday Night Raw. That man is Baron Corbin. When Lions when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock, and for once, I am not joined by Wei Ting. He is on a much-deserved vacation at the moment. He is in Hawaii, which probably had uh, a lot more uh, enjoyment uh, than the last three hours uh, of Raw. Stepping into Wei Ting's spot tonight, uh, you know him from the Wrestling Observer site, as well as the Fight Game podcast with John LaRocca. He is Garrett Gonzalez, who joins us here at Post Wrestling for the first time. And Garrett, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It is not an easy favor to ask someone to give up their Monday night of watching three hours of Raw and then speaking about it for an hour plus. So thank you so much, first of all, for joining us. No problem. I'm here. Uh, thanks for asking. And I know I got some big shoes to fill, but hey, I'm ready. I mean, and it, it's better to talk about it immediately after it happens with Raw than to, you know, wait a few hours or wait a couple days like I do with my podcast. So I'm ready. It's it's right. It's right in the memory bank. Well, we have a lot to get to and uh, just getting things out of the way. Uh, Garrett, at the beginning of every show, we always give away a piece of post-wrestling merchandise to one of our patrons. And we're giving away a post-wrestling Brand new snapback hat. These things are very fancy, very exclusive. I don't even have one of these. So I have five names of patrons. So you are going to pick a number between one and five and make one person's dream and shatter four others. So if you are handing over the rose, what is it? One through five. What number are you choosing? Let's go number two. Derek Morton, no relation that I'm aware of to Ricky. Uh, he is the winner of the snapback post wrestling hat. So I want to get that out of the way because I knew I would have forgotten about our big <laughs> contest. And uh, towards the end of the show, I'll go through the schedule of shows we have coming up this week at postwrestling.com. Uh, the fill in show, uh, this, this coming week, uh, with waiting on vacation. But before we get to Raw Garrett, uh, we have to discuss all the news that is going on. I didn't know how busy tonight's news would be. And then about four o'clock hit. And I would say we have an early contender for story of the year. And that is the UFC announcing this 
absolutely mega deal with ESPN Plus. Not only are they extending the deal with ESPN by two years, so their pact will now go through 2025, but this is going to see pay-per-view in the United States move from traditional pay-per-view to the streaming platform that is ESPN Plus. There are so many different ways that we can attack this, but uh, you've had a few hours to digest this. And being someone in the U.S. who this is going to affect directly, as opposed to me in Canada, um, I mean, to me, this is just an enormous, enormous news story. You, you know, the first thing that I thought about was how big the UFC is now in comparison to, you know, when they were in their infancy. Because if you remember, the whole goal was to get back on pay-per-view. Like that was the way that they were going to continue their company. And because they weren't able to do that, they were, you know, they were just running a lot of these shows and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, struggling in that sense. But man, now, you know, if you're the UFC, you can kind of thumb your nose at, at direct TV and, and at, you know, at in demand and all that and say, well, you know, we have a better deal. Like that just shows you where MMA and the UFC is in particular compared to, you know, to where they were, you know, many years ago. That was the first thing that came to my mind. But the second thing that came to my mind was just what kind of deal were they able to strike to give up what has been a super lucrative? It has to be better than what they were able to do, you know, these last several years on pay-per-view. And, and I mean, let's let's be real. They were able to do some tremendous numbers based on, you know, McGregor fights and Ronda Rousey fights, Brock Lesnar fights. Like, you know, they, they were making money hand over fist on pay-per-view. So, I mean, I, I imagine that this deal is uh, is very, very lucrative for them to give up that, you know, all, uh, the pay-per-view dollars. It has to be enormous. And just today, I was discussing uh, on our forum today, we were discussing about the UFC's pay-per-view business and looking at the fact that when you have these big fights, pay-per-view is stronger than ever. Like you mentioned Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov setting that record back in October. But look at the fact that in the span of nine weeks, John Jones did about 1.2 million buys between the Gustafson fight and this surprisingly strong Anthony Smith number. I'm just – I'm floored by this decision that it has to be an unbelievable amount that ESPN is paying. And I mean ESPN was already incentivized to be promoting the UFC in this new deal. They are hand in glove at this point when it comes to being in business together to push ESPN+. Plus. Like UFC is kind of the focus now of ESPN+, Plus in my mind. And I wonder if ESPN believes that they were – such a big reason for this John Jones number because I was just, you know, thinking about how, I, I guess how excited I was to see that fight. And I was like, ah, eh, you know, John Jones is going to, is going to really walk through this guy, but more people. And, and I don't know if it was Jones, just Jones, or if there was a combination of him and, and the undercard. Uh, it seemed like, you know, a lot of the, the last minuteness of, of the buys was, was the reason for the number. And I wonder if ESPN believes that they are responsible for a lot of that because if they feel that, then they probably feel like they can do this consistent consistently and uh, and, and drive up the buys that way. I, I think that there is certainly something to it. I think it's too early to make any conclusions about the ESPN effect, but it's there. Like you're seeing how they're doing uh, the television numbers; they're getting some fantastic lead-ins for some of these fight cards. But I think that that's a real thing that you're getting this significant coverage now for pay-per-views and I, I think that the john jones anthony smith card is certainly an indicator of that it's 
like to me, it goes beyond just simply um, combat sports on pay-per-view that this could very well be the death knell for that. But also the fact that you have these carriers like direct TV and uh, in demand, like all of these ones that they deal with ESPN, like what kind of friction is that creating that they are really undercutting them by stealing what was their most consistent revenue earner in the UFC. When you look at the the scaling back of big boxing cards and migrating towards streaming platforms, we know the story with the WWE, like traditional pay-per-view Garrett, it's certainly got to be looking at like it's on its last legs. If you're taking the UFC out of the equation here. Yeah. And you meant it, you mentioned boxing and, Boxing just had a pay-per-view. Fox did their pay-per-view with Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia. And, I mean, I can't imagine it, it did a great business. It was more of like a real hardcore fight fan kind of fight. Um, and they did previously, you know, they were able to do, I don't know, what was it, 350000 for Fury and Wilder, which is a heavyweight fight. And, and so I don't even know, you know, outside of Floyd Mayweather – uh, coming back, like I don't even know what's out there for pay-per-view boxing because let's even say they were able to do something with Joshua and Wilder or Joshua and Fury. I, I'm, is is that going to be on pay-per-view or would that be a DAZN fight with as much money as you know they're paying for for Joshua? You would think that they would have to do something with the, with DAZN. So like I'm not even sure that boxing has a lot of stuff that they can do on pay-per-view that would actually move business. And then, you know, without boxing, you're talking about, you know, ROH and impact and, and stuff like that, where, you know, they're, they're, they're doing okay, but you know, they're not moving a, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of numbers there, you know, they're doing what they usually do. So I, <laughs> where does this, where do they go? And it, it just seems like, you know, it's, at least I think what happened um, is, you know, just direct TV and UFC, don't have a great business relationship when it comes to what UFC perceives is their real value. And I wonder if that's the main reason why, you know, UFC looked into doing something else because man, like, you know, if you're direct TV and you can, you know, go back a year to go, okay, well maybe we'll, we'll compromise a little bit, but it sounds like they weren't willing to. And that was probably the, uh, the beginning uh, of UFC trying to do something else. If you're, um, a fighter, the level of a John Jones, certainly a Conor McGregor. I mean, those are the ones specifically that come to mind. But if you're a fighter that has points in the pay-per-view, how hesitant are you to fight in the next two to three months or just kind of taking a powder here and just seeing how this all plays out? And what is the business going to be on ESPN Plus? Because you have to imagine there's going to be a migration period of people realizing and I think it's going to happen the night of that Holloway Poirier fight. And I think it's going to be something that's going to happen for months of sitting down to go order a pay-per-view and realizing oh, I've got to sign up for ESPN plus. Like, I, I don't know what the, the transition is going to be like for a lot of people that suddenly it's this, this one destination point to buy a pay-per-view. Yeah. And I think the pay-per-view universe is probably in the U S somewhere around a hundred million homes are wired with the ability to purchase a pay-per-view and ESPN plus, I think the last number, yeah, 2 million. So you're really, you're really changing the universe of people who can actually pay for it. Now I, I would, I would wonder if we, you know, I don't know who has this number, but UFC's main audience, that audience that will, you know, their average pay-per-view of 250,000 or whatever that number is, 
I would imagine those folks are on ESPN Plus, but you're really limiting the casual, you know, the casual uh, fight fan from the equation who doesn't have ESPN. And I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting that Dana White specifically said young fan base or younger fan base because every time I think about these streaming platforms, I think about my dad who is, you know, he's in his sixties and. He could, I mean, if he sat down for half an hour, he could probably figure out how to get the thing on a on a Roku or on his smart TV. But at some point, it's quite possible that he would give up just because it, it's it's kind of difficult to get started. And I was thinking about this because uh, there's a I have a buddy who's uh, he he actually is an independent wrestler out here in uh, Northern California. And when the Canelo fight happened uh, just a couple a couple months ago, that first Canelo fight. And DAZN was talking about, you know, buy the Canelo fight for free and you'll, or you'll get it for free and then, you know, for the free month or whatever. And so he was at a party and he told me that, you know, he was like, I, I was at a party. You know, everyone wanted to watch Canelo fight. I decided to just figure, you know, try to down. And he couldn't figure it out. This is a guy who's like, you know, in his 30s. So, you know, that whatever that bar is, I think UFC is fine and ESPN is fine as far as those folks finding it. But when you do have a bigger fight, and I think it was probably pretty um, savvy of them to do it this month because you don't ex- – I don't, I don't, at least I don't think they expected to, to do huge, huge business with this next fight. But they do need to get people to figure out how to do this before you actually do have a Conor McGregor fight or the next John Jones fight uh, because th- there's, there's definitely going to be a learning curve for a whole lot of new people. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if John Jones, let's just throw out the idea, Conor McGregor as well, one of those two fighting International Fight Week, I I just don't see how you can be happy at the notion, like, you had no say in this, and there's no way you can convince me that going from a universe of 100 million to 2 million, that that is not going to somehow impact my very incentive-based deal that I have based on pay-per-view business, that, again, this is another example of, like, the fighters that don't really have a say in the matter when enormous changes occur on the business side, but it directly affects, I mean, those two fighters especially, but any champion that has points in the pay-per-view, I think that you're certainly left with a lot of questions today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, how many people, and, and, you know, we know what happened when WWE Network changed their business plan when guys were used to getting bonuses for certain pay-per-views based on buys, and then that just stopped happening. And I mean, I don't know what happened, you know, inside WWE. I don't know if, you know, Vince then, you know, gave him a few, you know, a little bit more money or whatever. But, you know, who in 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 the UFC is going to put their foot down and be like, okay, you guys are making money hand over fist and my contract has stayed the same. And, you know, I, you see more guys who have been, you know, kind of not being so agreeable to fight when they're not ready. Someone like a Tyron Woodley uh, and Dana, you know, has his issues with those guys, but it's the guys who are really willing to stick up for themselves and who feel like they have a little bit of leverage who will do that. But what about the guys 
who are a little bit earlier in their career, I feel like the UFC thinks that, you know, those those guys will just be okay with whatever happens because, you know, this is kind of how they do it and, and this is what they're used to. But I do wonder about, you know, I'm not really worried too much about a Connor and a John because the UFC could always just go, okay, like we get it. We're going to sweeten your your guaranteed money. Here, Here's more money. And maybe that maybe that will work. But it's also, you know, some of these other guys and in, in, who are not fighting for huge, huge dollars and look at the company itself continually making more money than ever. What do you think about this strategy? We're five years removed from uh, both Fight Pass and the WWE Network launching and the WWE going all in with their streaming platform. Their pay-per-views were still available on traditional pay-per-view, but really the the emphasis was moved to the network. It's such a more economical choice to make. The UFC is now moving their pay-per-view business to a streaming platform, but keeping the pay-per-view model in it, that there is a sign-up cost, but then in addition to, they're still going to be charging $60 a show. Well, I, what I wonder is, I wish someone would ask Vince McMahon and say, if you knew what the TV landscape actually turned out to be versus what you may have thought it was when you chose to put everything on the network, would you have changed your mind? Because I think, you know, I think in some in some ways they, they really lucked into that TV money, which made them, you know, so much you know, it's just so much more valuable as as a company. Uh, but I wonder if if he was able to, you know, if he could go back those five years and, and redo the plan. I wonder if he if he would go back and, and do, you know, at least Mania and Royal Rumble or something on pay-per-view, because uh, I, I think they they caved in a little bit early on that plan. I know they wanted everything to go into the network and it's consistent money. But look, the TV money is super consistent money, and it's really what's driving their business. So I feel like if you if you could get Vince to be honest with you, he probably would pull back on the network a little bit, knowing if he knew that the TV money would be there. Now, the UFC, I feel like, has played this really smart from the get-go. You know, when people were saying, oh, you know, Fight Pass, you know, I would surely subscribe for $10 a month if I get all the pay-per-views. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Like that, that, that is too much. We're not going to do that. We're actually going to learn from what WWE is doing. And it's obvious that they feel that WWE has left money out on the table by doing it this way. And they were not going to follow in those footsteps. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, I think some fans were, uh, some of the hardcore fans were hoping that the ESPN plus deal was just all inclusive. Like maybe you raise the thing to 10 bucks or 15 bucks and you get the pay-per-views, but I still think this is the smarter way to do it, especially depending on, you know, I, we don't know what the split is or if UFC is just getting a flat fee for these, you know, for all these shows. But I mean, I, I think it's, I think they have been very patient and very smart in this entire thing. When, you know, when this TV deal stuff was happening, WWE was so, so the flavor of the month and UFC was overlooked in a sense. And now by them being patient, you know, I think they're I think they're making such a big splash and you know more money than than they probably could have ever even imagined. I, I can't imagine any what whatever the the split is, whatever this deal is. I think the UFC has probably hit the jackpot with this deal because it just seems like this is so perfect for both sides that they can ESPN can negotiate a prob probably a very favorable split for the UFC of whatever it is that's better than the the cable providers can and what espn is considering is the long game that anyone that wants to buy a pay-per-view they have to sign up for this service and we're going to have that person for the long term we hope 
And you can also divide up the revenue a lot cleaner with the UFC. Like I, I think the UFC, it's going to be much less risky of how a pay-per-view is going to perform because there's just got to be a really solid guarantee per pay-per-view. Um, it's just going to be a question of what is that that population base going to be for ESPN plus a year from now, because it just seems that they are going to be very aggressive that this is the property. And these are the, the audience that is educated in paying for the biggest content that will come to this service and are going to essentially build this service off the back of fight fans. That seems to be the tact here that ESPN is taking based on the success of this first three months of this deal. And there's even more incentive now to utilize ESPN. Yes. That's and huge. Put put the fighters on TV more and and do, you know, more of the commercials and do more of the build up and really really go all in uh to use a wrestling term on uh on on the UFC and I you know that that's the other part of this that we haven't really seen the power like I mean thankfully you know, for, for UFC and, uh, and ESPN, you know, Zion Williamson and, and Duke, you know, has been a great lead in for them. And then, you know, when college football season comes, they'll have, they'll have other great lead ins. But what is really the power of being able to put these guys in front of eyeballs on ESPN? I, you know, that's what I'm, I'm waiting to see. Is Daniel Cormier hosting the ESPYs? It's got to be a lock now. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you remember when uh, LeBron hosted it and he was doing like Bobby Brown dances and stuff? Cormier could do that stuff. Uh, so just uh, some uh, deal points here is that if you're already an ESPN Plus subscriber, the pay-per-view events are available for $59.99. So they're actually reducing them by $5, but that kind of evens out with what your monthly uh, subscription price is for ESPN Plus. New subscribers uh, can get one year of the service for $79.99, and they're going to throw in one pay-per-view, and then you've got to buy the others at that cost. And I was asked this many, many times today, this does not affect... Canada, because we don't get ESPN Plus in Canada. This is a U.S. deal only. Although, if ESPN Plus starts to get clearance in other territories, uh, this becomes even more interesting if they're going to be continuing this kind of uh, method, this strategy in other territories, as ESPN Plus, in theory, is going to want to be expanding into other countries. Right. And and they, I would assume that they would have the ability for better distribution than, you know, than they could do today with Fight Pass. But I, it also made me wonder, what do you do with Fight Pass if all of the value outside of the, the full library is on ESPN Plus? Because uh, if, if I have the option of getting ESPN Plus for $5 or Fight Pass for $10, like that's a really easy decision at this point. And who like who has Fight Pass these days, and why do you actually have it? I kind of wonder what is going to happen with that. Yeah, that to me it just feels like Fight Pass was collateral damage in this deal. That it was something that they had great expectations for in 2014, and I think today they they realize there's still a hardcore fan base that is going to want to see fighting from all over the world that will want access to that library. It's it's not a gigantic audience. It's not going to be a difference maker in our bottom line. And it seems to be just satisfying a very hungry audience that is out there for more fight content. But it just seems to be something that is going to be a holdover from five years ago that is not going to be actualized in terms of what it was going to be for the company because they, they've hit this. I mean, the ESPN deal to me has just made Fight Pass 
almost redundant. And, and it's kind of funny because the UFC has stuff like Roy Jones boxing and, you know, all these other promotions. But if you look at what ESPN has, they have top rank boxing. So it's like, it's, it's almost like, you know, why, why would I even bother? But yeah, I hear you. There's, there's gotta be folks who still want access to that stuff. And, and to ESPN, I guess, or I'm sorry, to UFC to an extent, like fight pass is kind of the thing that they have in their back pocket in case they need it and in case business deals go wrong or, but I mean, if this is signed all the way until, you know, the mid 2020s, then you're kind of just hanging on to fight pass, you know, as it is uh, currently, you know, for, for a lot of uh, many years to come. Yeah. One other thing with fight pass uh, and its value is in the international markets too, that don't have ESPN plus that that content can go somewhere. I mean, for us in Canada, um, like the, their partner up here is TSN. And there's eight cards every year that TSN does not have the rights to. Uh, they're international cards. So I have to watch that on Fight Pass. So internationally, I think, I still think there's a function for it. Um, but in the US, I mean, that's, it, it's really, it's, if you're a diehard, if you, if you need to see everything, um, and that goes beyond the UFC, I mean, it's just, to me, it's a very, very niche product, uh, that they're offering. Um, there's so much we could probably spend the entire show talking about this deal, Garrett. Is there any kind of final thoughts you have, or just um, that you were thinking about today regarding this deal? No, I mean I think we hit everything. Uh, I'm really interested to see uh, when more information comes out. You know, some of the pieces that are being written, um, and uh, yeah, I just I mean I think the main thing is I'm just looking to see what the what the deal is for them and and how lucrative it is and. Uh, I mean, I mean, like we said, we it, it, I'm expecting it to just be like an amazing deal for the UFC. Yeah, and with that two year add on to the deal, uh, that now means that their their rights will come up a year after the WWE's. So that's kind of interesting. Not to say that they're not going to be crossing over one another; it's still going to be in close proximity. But 2024 is when the WWE's deal is up, and 2025 now is the UFC. So. Um, who knows what kind of world we'll be living in by then. But this is, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a very, very interesting story to follow. And I'd say um, an early candidate for story of the year in 2019. Uh, Dana White also did an interview today with Megan O'Leary mentioning he signed a new seven-year contract with the UFC and mentioned that uh, I, I guess he has just um, uh, mental telepathy with Brock Lesnar because he believes Brock Lesnar will call him sometime around this summer and – thinks that Brock is going to fight again. So that's a very optimistic Dana White, thinking this summer that phone's going to ring. The Brock phone. Well, he, <laughs> he, know, he knows what drives Brock, that's, uh, and, that, and that's the, uh, the almighty dollar. So now they have more of them to offer him. Brock, have you heard of ESPN Plus? It's all the rage <laughs> these days. How would you like to fight on it? Yeah, there's no way that Brock has cable or ESPN Plus or streaming or even internet, I can imagine. Uh, AJ Styles has signed a new contract with the WWE. Uh, did you think there was any, any chance, Garrett, that AJ Styles was going to be looking elsewhere? He certainly found himself in a very advantageous situation at the timing of all of this. But it just seems for a guy that is 41 going on 42 this coming June that he's in a tremendous spot in the WWE right now. And I'm certain that this was uh, the best contract that he's ever signed. Yeah, you know, I would imagine he's got you know, a lot of leverage, uh, and he used that to his advantage. 
knowing, you know, the background of where he came from and the AEW guys, like it, it would have seemed like a, you know, a, a good place for him to go to. But I, I think he just fits in WWE. Like I think early when he went there, uh, a lot of us were kind of wondering how he would fit in. But man, he's done such a great job. Be you know they they push him. He's he's one of their top guys. Like it just sounds like a great position for him. And uh, and it you know it sounds like a good. It was just you know not to say that I'm necessarily happy for him or or anything like that. But kind of like when when you see where he came from and how long you know he was he was in uh, working outside of WWE and all the naysayers about him getting there. Like he's proved that that he is great at what he does and that. You know, he's very valuable to that company. So good for him. And just on the WrestleMania front, uh, the current plan, as I had it described to me on Monday, is that, well, we heard the announcement of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, they are planning to go ahead with a women's battle royal. And I was also told that there is scheduled to be a U.S. title match, a SmackDown women's title match, and a SmackDown tag title match. But I don't know what those matches are, but... Uh, this is going to be a long show, Garrett, as we will uh, get into on Raw. But this is going to be a marathon night at MetLife Stadium. What is it, like 15 matches or something like that? Like, there's, I, I think there's we like, could be looking at 17. Like, Oh, my like, God. It is going to be an enormous show. And then when you throw in like Elias skits, Alexa Bliss skits, Michael Che and Colin Jost, um, like that stuff, that adds up along with the entrances and everything that goes with WrestleMania, the Hall of Fame uh, call-outs and everything like that. Like this, this will likely be the longest show in company history. That is not necessarily what I wanted, but man, you know, that the, I, I, it, it, to me, and I, I don't know if this is actually the case, but I always think back to that, uh, the, the one call they did and they said that their most important metric is hours spent using the service. Yes. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that Netflix is very much the same way. But, you know, Netflix has a variety of programs, whereas, you know, WWE is trying to drive it with mostly, you know, their pay-per-views. And, and, that, and that's, you know, I, I, I wonder if they actually look at uh, possible burnout and stuff like that um, in, in, and, and if it's factored into to just simply the, the most hours, you know, watch. Because that uh, I, I am I will always watch WrestleMania and, and live as, as much as possible. But. They are they are really putting it to the test for their hardcore fans to see if they're going to stick with the whole show because that is going to be a very long show. Well, and, and this could be a bigger discussion, but do you see a direct correlation between uh, when when they're stating like uh, number of hours consumed uh, coupled with the fact that they are getting paid so much money for producing all of this television content? To me, it's it's tremendous money that they can make, but to me, the the hard sell is creating a new fan and that is the daunting task of jumping on board well what is the a show well it's a three hour monday night show and then there's the two hour tuesday night show and then there's the pay-per-view every month and this big show well just book off the entire day because it starts at five and you're probably not finishing till midnight well the biggest one for me is when they move to fox because they're gonna have the opportunity to create that new fan and I that that's going to show uh, whatever ideas that they're holding back or whatever for that. Like, I just hope that whatever it is, that first and second and third show is like their absolute a game because 
that opportunity to you know to do that is is bigger than they've had in a long long time and i think they need to hit they they don't just need to hit a home run they need to go like 5 for 5 with uh you know with three home runs and two doubles like it just needs to be everything their best foot forward for that you know for when they move over to fox because that is such a great opportunity for them and last note here, uh, Roger Kirby, uh, a wrestler, former NWA junior heavyweight champion, won uh, tag titles in so many different territories with a variety of uh, different partners. He passed away on Monday at the age of 79. He had recently had a fall and uh, had contracted pneumonia. And it was actually when he, he had this fall and he was taken to the hospital that he they found out he was suffering from stage four pancreatic cancer. So we have a bio up on Roger Kirby up on the main page at postwrestling.com. So you can go uh, read about Roger Kirby, someone who uh, his colleagues spoke very highly of, a guy that just uh, it seemed didn't get a whole lot of a spotlight, but amongst those who he worked with, um, very popular and looked at as a guy that was just a, a great, great talent, um, but someone that doesn't always get that spotlight. So uh, it's always unfortunate when someone passes away, but that silver lining is that younger people do get to learn about some of these people, and Roger Kirby is one of those individuals. Monday Night Raw from the Allstate Arena in Chicago. It kicked off with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman starting the show. They came out. Garrett, this crowd was just rabid at the start of this. Uh, my immediate thought was, how long will this, this heat last? But I will say for the first segment, this felt like a, just an unbelievable crowd in Chicago. Yeah. And, you know, we put Brock out there with Paul and Paul knows how to get him going, uh, to the best of them. He even, uh, compared himself to Shakespeare in his promo, which I thought was really funny. Uh, but yeah, like I think you know, I think it worked for for what they did, and uh, I'm sure you'll you'll go over it. But uh, you know, they they had like a show long storyline because Seth was going to face Drew, and then you know Seth and Drew got got uh, got into it in the beginning, and then Brock was involved, and at the end, all three men were involved again. So I thought I thought that part was pretty good. Yeah, Heyman called Rollins a revisionist and a propagandist. He ran over. The track record of Brock Lesnar beating AJ Styles, Brian, Balor. And now Rollins has picked a fight with Drew McIntyre, who he calls a career killer. And Seth needs to focus on McIntyre. What is Seth thinking trying to pick a fight with Brock Lesnar tonight? So Drew comes out. He goes over his attack on Roman Reigns last week, as well as Dean Ambrose. And he tells Brock that he's going to have to find a new opponent for WrestleMania because he is going to brutalize Seth Rollins tonight. He's not going to make it to WrestleMania. And with that, Rollins shows up from behind, nails Drew with a chair shot, and then he continues, and he just whacks away at Drew's back. This had to have been 10 of the hardest chair shots to his back. And Lesnar just bails to the floor as Seth enters, and Heyman just asks Lesnar, are you going to get paid for this? And <laughs> makes his way to the back. Really hot opening segment, I thought. Uh, setting up your main event with Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Putting the heat on Brock Lesnar here. And, I mean, the crowd was just going nuts at the beginning. And I, I thought consistent throughout the show, Garrett. Seth really did feel like a top babyface throughout this show. Yeah, I felt like there were times uh, last year when I was like, okay, Seth is definitely the best guy going. And when Roman went down, you know, I was like, okay, if Roman's not going to, you know, when, when Roman took ill, if Roman's not going to be their, you know, their mania match, it's gotta be Seth because he was, he was picking up steam as a baby face. He's uh, he's, you know, he, he's very easy to, uh, from a match perspective to enjoy. And 
I, I, I really, I really liked him tonight. Now, I don't know, you know, the, the hard thing is, is so far in this feud, he has not, he has not gotten the best of Brock once. No. And so he had to take a chair with him in the ring to get Brock to kind of, you know, to dump out of the ring. And, and so I would like to see, I, I don't know when this is going to be, but I would like to see him strong at least one time before we head into WrestleMania because I, I get the underdog thing. You know, I get the comparing him to other underdogs who have had, you know, really good chances to beat Brock. But still, I still need to feel like, OK, like Seth is the man and he's going to win this match. And so far, you know, the story is, is that, OK, no matter what he does, like he's he, he's not going to, you know, Brock is too big and too bad. And, and you know, that whole story. But uh, but I do I do want to see him strong at least one time before we head into Mania. Where do you see the placement of this match at WrestleMania? Where do you put it on this gargantuan card? Oh God! I mean, by now they have to close with the women's match. So if we, if we, if we think that that's going to close, and and I'm not saying that that's going to happen because we've seen Vince change his mind before, like in the last couple days of a show, a big show match placement. If if they are the last match, um, I don't think I would put it in the middle. And I know they've done that in the past where they put like sort of the second main event in the middle. I would definitely put it a little bit later and, you know, maybe whatever the buffer match is before. But I still think, you know, especially if Seth wins, it's going to be a big it's going to be a big deal. And and you don't want that to be just in the middle of a show, you know, after hour, you know, three of a six hour pay-per-view or whatever. Like you want you want it to mean something. But then again, you know, maybe because of the length of it, you do need uh, sort of like, uh, you know, a main event right in the middle. But I, I would I would hope that they would put it on a little bit later because I think, you know, when they when they uh, when you think about WrestleMania moments, you do think about sort of matches that are later in the card and in that main event spot. But uh, but yeah, I, I would I think I would lean towards later in the card, uh, you know, maybe one or two matches before the the, the women's three way. Our first match was uh, Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush taking on Finn Balor and a mystery opponent. And this match was brought to us by Head and Shoulders, which was the sponsor throughout Monday's episode of Raw. Uh, I was immediately thinking that Bobby Lashley's impact run, Head and Shoulders, above this current one in the WWE. <laughs> and they mentioned Finn Balor being in Abu Dhabi over the past week for the Special Olympics. Uh, but no shout out regarding uh, Michael Conlon at Madison Square Garden over the weekend. Right, he was he was right on, on the walkout for that fight, and they, they didn't say anything about it. Maybe Madison Square Garden is banned from WWE <laughs> for the time being. So yeah, no, that's that, you're probably right about that. It does not exist in their world. Uh, Lashley and Rush are out. Rush calls him a leprechaun. That Lashley took his pot of gold. Very timely, I guess, with St. Patrick's Day, and. Then holds up the title, telling Chicago this is something you haven't seen in a while. A championship. So such like an easy heat getting line, and I don't think the audience like even cared. It's like that was Well, I mean I mean, because the Cubs just won like what three years ago. So like, yeah, we're we're kinda over that. We're we're good. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. And then Finn reveals his mystery partner, Braun Strowman, who comes out. And they had the advantage on Balor for quite a while. Uh, but then he sends Rush down to the mat, makes the hot tag, and Braun just murders Leo Rush throws him with these two gigantic beals on the last one. They have this close-up of Leo Rush as there's this slobber coming out of his mouth. <laughs> and they called this monster mode that Braun was in. Went for the power slam, but is speared by Lashley. 
Then Rush is able to land a frog splash onto Braun, who's still selling the spear. They end up on the floor where Lashley gets knocked into the timekeeper's area by Braun. And then Braun returns to the ring, gives Rush this gigantic choke slam. This was Lance Archer, Will Ospreay level. And then Lashley is just watching. He walks to the back, leaving Leo Rush to die as Braun power slams him for the win. And that was it. Um, I don't know where we are going with Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley regarding WrestleMania, but I think they could be joining one Braun Strowman in the Battle Royal. I, when, when I first saw this segment, the first thing that came to my mind was, so, so Finn comes out and he's trying to explain, you know, why he, he lost the championship or whatever. But instead of being like really angry, he was just like, ah, you know, you would think because it was St. Patrick's Day that I just didn't have the luck of the Irish. And I was just like, ah, oh, like, can you at least be a little displeased that you got screwed out of your title? But I know they don't do that too much these days. But the other thing I thought about was after this match was over, I was like, you know what? The match I really want to see for WrestleMania is Strowman and Lashley. And then later in the show, they basically tell us what Strowman's going to do at Mania. So they're not going to give that to us. But that was like leading out of this match. I was like, wow, like that would actually be a pretty fun match. And it doesn't look like that's where they're going. No, uh, I just I feel like Lashley and Balor's been been done to such a degree. I, you know, going into tonight, I was I was pretty confident Corbin was going to land that angle match, and my only question was whether they were going to try and strap Lashley and Finn Balor to either side and make it a tag match, which I know was not the most exciting option, but neither was the end result either. But yeah, ba- Balor and Lashley, I just I'd be very surprised if they get their own match at WrestleMania. They seem and you got to fill this battle royal with guys. And I think, unfortunately, that may be what they draw this year. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably right about that. I think that makes a lot of sense for what they've done and, and just kind of, you know, how not hot this program has been. They recapped Ronda Rousey being fined by the WWE. And she has now completed the entire heel turn because she's walking with Travis Brown, the, <laughs> the ultimate heat getter here. They're hand in hand. And... She is informed by referee John Cohn that she's late and she just blows them off and they've hired more security to deal with Ronda Rousey. So more to come with uh, our favorite couple, Ronda and Travis. It was it was awesome. I didn't expect to see Travis. And then when I saw him, I was like, wow, this is so good. And with uh, where do you stand with the whole Ronda thing? I, I mean, there are there are things about this you know, shoot Ronda stuff that that I don't necessarily think they need to do. But overall, like her performance, I think has been so good. And I know, you know, all, all the Becky fans are going to get upset uh, for, for me saying that. But I think she's just played her role so perfectly. And, uh, you know, that may, maybe that's just, you know, her in general. Like she's just dialing it up to 11, like like they always like all the, you know, the guys say. But man, she's, I thought, I just thought tonight, especially, she was almost pitch perfect for what she was supposed to do. I thought she was great on the show. I thought that segment with Dana was fantastic. And I don't know. I just look at anything that's done online. I feel it's almost like it's not to say it's non canon to the, to the program. It obviously they want to work elements of that in, but I really believe like the goal of that was simply make the most ardent fan base legitimately dislike her because we want to get that reaction on television by any means necessary. And to me, the stuff that has outraged people the most has never been on television. That has been a giant disconnect from the program. If you're just watching week to week, it's been this slow. Well, to 
for some, it's been an abrupt turn. But she is getting the desired reaction now. And I think like this this version of Ronda that we're getting in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, like I, I thought she was great on this show. Yeah, she she's been she's been so good and and I know she's not gonna get the credit because you know, the fan base is 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 reacting the way that they want them to. And some of that means that, you know, Rhonda's not gonna get a lot of credit. But, you know, Dave and I had this conversation on Wrestling Observer Radio a couple nights ago about you know, the Wrestling Observer Award for Women's Wrestler MVP. And, uh, and you know, Ronda's just been so good. And, and you know, it, it's it's a little, uh, it, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of a little bit like her UFC career in the sense that she came in so hot and was hot and then, you know, just kind of fizzled out into the sunset. And I wonder if her wrestling career is going to be similar. Now, I don't expect her wrestling career officially to end at WrestleMania. I'm sure she'll still do stuff. If, you know, if she, if she, if she has that drive to do it because she is, she is good at it, but it's just kind of like she just came in and just was like Hurricane Ronda for this whole year. And if she doesn't wrestle again, like that's like, you know, that's like that, that burning fire. And then it kind of like settles similar to her, uh, her UFC career. I feel what she's going through at the moment is like the Batista exit from 2010, where it was just, you knew what your end date was and you kind of got this little heel run out that, I think it's been great. Um, and yeah, I think that the, certainly I don't feel WrestleMania is her last match, but yeah, it's, it's certainly unknown what the future is going to be for her. But I think that if you are going to be going out, this is kind of the way to be doing it. Um, and it's just, I, I think getting to this three way at WrestleMania and kind of, kind of writing some of the wrongs of the last couple of weeks that I think has just, Unfortunately, with this turn, I think you have a pretty hot baby face in Becky. You have a red hot heel in Rhonda. And I think Charlotte is in this difficult area where it's she's kind of right in the middle where she's certainly not going to be out baby facing Becky and she's not going to be out healing Rhonda. And it's just finding a way to kind of make that dynamic work going into WrestleMania. Yeah, because I think once they get into the ring, Charlotte is so good in the ring that she'll win the fans over there. But you're right in that in the build, she's now lost in the build when originally all of Ronda's heat was on her because the fans thought that she was stealing, you know, stealing Becky shine or whatever. And so, yeah, that is one thing that has been a little bit frustrating in, in the angle is just that, you know, Charlotte kind of is in no man's land right now, but, you know, hopefully they can, they can get her back to uh, to where she was because I, I was really enjoying her her character before this stuff happened. Alexa Bliss is out for a moment of bliss and says that the billion social media followers they're still buzzing each and every one of them multiple times over, and she just throws to Michael Cole, Renee, and Corey to run through the WrestleMania card. She then takes credit for Lily Singh getting her own late night show, believing it's it's the path that she has laid here for for women everywhere for late night talk shows. And then she introduces Elias, who comes out, and she notes that this is a safe place. And Elias announces that he will be the headlining musical act for WrestleMania in the greatest city of them all, New York. The crowd hated this. Then he insulted the Chicago Bears. They were really pissed at that. And he said his performance at WrestleMania will be akin to Prince at the Super Bowl, Queen at Live Aid, or Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. And he is warning that no one is to interrupt him at WrestleMania. Garrett, who's interrupting him at WrestleMania? My, my first thought was Honky. 
Well, you could you could do that. I was thinking yeah, like that this was is, the first thing that I thought. See, I I think the easy go to is Cena, but it almost is way too similar to what they did last year with Elias and Cena. Like they pretty much right. did that last year. Um, right. I mean, that's I'm looking at Cena that you figure him into this show that he's probably not going to be available to do much leading into it. That the surprise appearance is probably what you're getting with with uh, Cena, but. Uh, Honky would be a lot of fun if he interrupted him. I'd be yeah, more I just interested. See, in that. I, I, I mean, that's who I see Elias as. If if I was to compare to like a previous generation, is you know he's he's entertaining. Uh, he plays his role. Not necessarily the best wrestler that they have on the roster, but um, I, and that's pretty much what I felt about Honky. I mean, and Honky was a, a veteran as far as you know being able to to get the fans all riled up like he like he did but uh yeah i mean i i i think that if you know if the, if we had baseball cards for for wrestlers and you had like the the person who the 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 new the guy on the roster is you compared him to someone from prior years i think they would be the comparison my god i just have the the vision now of honky tonk man he's in the ring with elias and then out comes r truth and carmela and they do a dance break with honky tonk man <laughs> That would be hilarious, and you could even uh, you could even bring uh, maybe if you bring Greg Valentine back, and you have DDP uh, driving uh, driving the Cadillac. Many options here. Uh, so then they get interrupted by the conga line led by Heavy Machinery. Alex explains this was supposed to be a gag at the end of the segment, which they had rehearsed, but Otis screwed it up and. Otis was fantastic here, uh, leading this conga line, and it all led to a masked member of the conga line attacking Elias and it's revealed to be no way Jose. And this guy had so much confidence that he would be cheered, uh, that he had the insurance policy of wearing a Chicago Cubs t-shirt on. (laughs) It's like, man, they might actually boo me attacking Elias. So let's not take any chances here. And it led to, it led to a match here involving the two, which was, um, rather forgettable. There was an airplane spin by Jose. Jose then missed the the high cross, and then Elias nearly loses his balance before hitting a top rope elbow drop and hit the drift away, which this match did in four minutes, 11 seconds. Was Jose's hair green for St. Patrick's Day, or have I just not seen him, and that's his hair color now? He introduced this last week, so he might have done it in preparation of St. Patrick's Day, but this was week two of the new hair. Okay. Yeah. Do you, are you pro hair or do you think that this is a uh, a step back from no way, Jose? <laughs> I mean, what do you do if you're that guy? Because like I, I always, you know, when people complain to me about no way, Jose, I go, you know what? Like when he was in NXT and he did the thing with Austin Aries, I thought it was fantastic and I, I loved every minute of it. But, you know, what they do with him now is very, you know, mid card and, and you can't really take it seriously. So he's an entertaining guy, but his his, you know, his character and his gimmick is just... It just screams the way the WWE does it, at least. It just screams, you know, main event or, or, or uh, I mean, the TV show main event, not main event of the show, but uh, or mid card. Yeah, it just it, it just seems like he, you know, he's in a no no win situation there. So Kurt Angle comes out, and everyone is excited here in the Allstate Arena. Like this has been built up for a week. Who is going to be Kurt Angle's retirement opponent at WrestleMania? And he comes in and he says that. There's only one man that he wants to beat at WrestleMania, and that man is Baron Corbin. The reaction, you need to watch this if you missed this, because this this reaction was just utter disappointment from this crowd. They were so deflated 
at the announcement that here is Kurt Angle, who is going to end his 20-year career with Baron Corbin. And he says he's going to end his career as the happiest man in the world. And I think the most telling comment was from Jim Ross online afterwards, who just wrote, underwhelming. (laughs) I almost felt like Kurt knew that the fans were going to be disappointed in what he was saying. And, and like he, it, it wasn't convincing to me that Baron Corbin is the guy that he wanted to, to beat the most. It was almost like he said that line and he didn't really feel it. And I, I mean, he, he knew just as much as everyone else that, you know, what the fans really wanted and what people at home wanted was Cena. And he knew he was out there kind of to deliver bad news. Like he wasn't there to deliver news that was going to, you know, pop the crowd. So I, I sort of felt like he knew what was coming. Yeah, and they would kind of play this up later in the night that they're acknowledging how disappointed everyone is with this opponent. So it seems to be leading to a tease that uh, perhaps Kurt's going to beat him quick and then, you know, Cena comes out or at least they are they are playing that element of it up, that this is a letdown of a retirement match. But when you watched Kurt wrestle tonight, do uh, you think that he could beat him quick? He's going to beat him slow no matter what. No, the this poor is, guy was struggling. This is a really banged up Kurt Angle that we are watching. And he had this imp- uh, part of his retirement tour, the match with Chad Gable, that I would say had this been three or four years ago would have been something really special. Um, and this crowd was very polite to Kurt Angle. But um, – Gable shakes his hand at the beginning, calls him a hero, and the crowd is instantly chanting, this is awesome. And Angle hits him with this belly-to-belly. Renee says there will be a riot if Kurt Angle loses to Baron Corbin at WrestleMania. Gable executes a sunset flip off the turnbuckle. Angle turns into the ankle lock. Gable breaks free. Angle hits the Germans, and then Gable applies the ankle lock himself, and the crowd is furious at this. Uh I feel this was Chad Gable watching uh, Shota Umino apply the cloverleaf to Tanahashi last <laughs> week and realizing the heat that got using the, the legend's own move on him. Angle counters out, and then he goes for an angle slam, but it's turned into a DDT. Uh, the announcers didn't pick up on this at first. Uh, Gable, My, Michael Cole was absolutely fooled. He didn't know what was going on. It's like, oh, he turned it into a spinebuster mid-move. <laughs> <laughs> so then Gable misses the moonsault, and... I don't know about you, but when I watched this moonsault, I was immediately frightened that Kurt's going to try a moonsault in his last match. That, oh my god! Oh. That yeah, that that's that will be rough. And I mean, I hope he has enough sense to 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 not do that. But he also has wrestled so many matches, hurt, and as we all know, in, in you know wrestled uh, with with a broken neck. So it, all all bets are off. So Angle uh, capitalizes on the missed moonsault, ankle lock for the win. And then Chad Gable congratulated him after, and they cut to the announcers who are teeing up the the women's match while the crowd is, like, giving this guy a standing ovation and chanting, thank you, Kurt. Um, yeah, I th- I, I'm, I'm not that upset with the Baron Corbin match. I feel that had he been placed into a match of higher expectations, this guy would have gone out and done more than he probably should be at this point. I think this is just a way for Kurt to have... Uh, a feel-good moment at the end. It's a guy that can lose easily and is not hurt one iota from it. Um, but yeah, uh, we can get into it later. But they are at least kind of teasing that um, they might leave the door open for something at the end. That was always my worry about a Kurt and Cena match at WrestleMania 
was that it just wasn't going to be that good. Uh, Similar kind of like, I guess not really too similar, but you know, the, the, the John Cena and the Undertaker match from last year, obviously they had a, a story that they wanted to tell and that match wasn't very long, but I was always worried that that match was not going to be good and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt the same about this match. And, you know, I, I think, like you said, the fan base is, is clearly going to be kind to Kurt at this point. They can see that he's not the same guy or not even, you know, not even close to the same guy, but just the expectation of him and Cena to be able to pull off like that one last great WrestleMania moment. Uh, I think those expectations would have been really high and, and Kurt would have probably, you know, hurt himself on the way to wanting to perform for those expectations. And also Cena too, like Cena hasn't been around that long, um, you know, for the last couple of years. And, and really when he's come back, uh, you know, he hasn't really done a whole lot. So you're having two guys who are, who are not, working all that often and the expectation would be that they were going to, you know, go back into the fountain of youth that one last time. Do you think with Kurt that he's going to be one that is going to stick to an actual retirement? Because this is a guy that obsessed with trying to be the best that you have to imagine that this is very frustrating for him that, you know, his body is just limiting what he can do now and that he rests for a year. I, I don't have any doubt that this guy is going to believe that he can come back and and have another run a year from now. Uh, absolutely, and, and even more so than that. I feel like if somebody gets hurt or somebody you know is there's there's a match and you know right before the match they have to change it because someone gets hurt. Like I feel like he's going to be the one who's like, I, I know I had that retirement match, but I'm ready. If you need me, I'm ready. And you know WWE has always you know, been willing to go back to that and, and call those guys up as a surprise. So I fully expect him to wrestle again after this. So Baron came out after the match. He said he will humble Kurt in his final match and said, it doesn't matter what you've done in your career. The only thing people remember is your last match. And uh, probably if we cut to Kurt, he probably would have looked as pale as a ghost realizing that comment. <laughs> and it seemed that the audience was chanting, we want Cena at the end. I couldn't hear it. Absolutely. Clearly, but yeah, that seemed to be what they were chanting here at the end. And of course, this was the arena where the infamous debut of John Cena on the main roster took place when he showed up and had the match with Kurt. So you really were dangling a lot of surprises over the past week. I mean, they had all the possibilities listed on the website. You have a graphic there of Kurt and the Undertaker. To me, it's like whenever you're doing the the mystery opponent, you better have a great payoff. So I feel that they had to have been at least expecting the reaction they got. And they hyped it. They hyped it for several days when they were talking about, you know, what was going to be on Raw. Kurt's going to announce his opponent. Like, so it's not like they didn't want to make this a big deal. They absolutely wanted to make it a big deal. I thought this was probably the most interesting thing people had going into this show was the reveal of that. Even if you've been watching the television, I think could see it leading towards a Baron Corbin. But I think when you throw that mystery out, people's expectations are naturally heightened and they start thinking of all the possibilities that it could be. And you know, the other thing that you said before, just quickly before you go, Cena could, uh, I don't think I would put him in Kurt's corner, but you could see win the match and then, you know, Cena raises his hand at the end. Like you could see something like that too, where maybe Cena doesn't have to be in the match, but he could actually, you know, pay homage to Kurt and, and help him win the match. I could see something like that. 
They're having a discussion. Baron Corbin is asked by Apollo Crews if he will face him tonight. And we got the most immature and yet scripted uh, goading of a heel into a match. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? And Baron eventually said yes. And we get an impromptu match later on in the night with Apollo Crews and Baron Corbin. And the conclusion was nobody likes Baron Corbin, including the Revival. And that was the Revival's uh, entire role on tonight's show, was telling Baron Corbin, we do not like you. Well, I, I think that may have been the theme if we're going to take the fan reaction to Angle's announcement. So <laughs> so then Sasha Banks and Bailey are interviewed by Charlie in the ring. And Charlie asks, are you ducking the Iconics? And they had to answer this seriously. They said they will face anyone and they're going to show up at SmackDown tomorrow in Indianapolis. Sasha then goes to talk about WrestleMania, but gets interrupted by Natalia, who comes out with Beth Phoenix. Beth says how much she respects Sasha and Bailey, and Natty and her would have loved to have had the opportunity as champions when she was having her active career. And instead, she watched the women's evolution while on commentary, and it wasn't until Nia and Tamina tried to set back the women's evolution through their jealousy and pettiness that they awoke the dragon. And maybe their dreams can become a reality. She loved her career, but there was one thing missing as she eyes the tag titles. And she is willing to come out of retirement and stand next to the very best in the WWE, Natalia, and makes the challenge for WrestleMania. So Bailey comes back asking if Beth might want some more time to prepare because she's been retired for six years. The competition has evolved. And Natalia says, do you know who you're talking about? This is the woman that won the women's title in this very arena. She's a Hall of Famer. Sasha gets into it with Natalia. They said, we know who she is. We, we have bled for this business. And Natalia is simply riding Beth's coattails for a WrestleMania payoff. And then slaps Sasha. Beth shoves Bailey down. We have a match put together with Sasha Banks and Natalia. But what did you think about this setup uh, with uh, Beth Phoenix and then getting physical by the end of it? The only thing that I kept thinking is, I wish it was Trish and Lita. And not because I think that Beth and, and Natalia uh, are, aren't a good team. Like, I, I think Natalia's great. And, you know, it's kind of cool to see Beth come back. She looks like she's in great shape. But I felt like in order to get these titles over, having Trish and Lita there would have been the better way to do it. Because it just it just raises the value of those belts when you're able to bring back uh, you know, the legends that they always go to when it comes to this kind of stuff, as far as, you know, who, who, who are the best women of all time. They always talk about Trish and Lita. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, you know, I think it's going to be a multi-women match and, and having Natalia and Beth is going to be fine. But I just kept thinking like, you know, it would have raised the, the value of the match in my eyes if, if Trish and Lita were there instead. Yeah. When they were teasing Beth last week, I thought that, you know, I'm sure they have like an idea in mind. But I think that it would have been something for Asuka that if Beth was coming back, like, that's something. You know that what would, I mean? That would have been, been WrestleMania. Cool, actually. Yeah, no, I like that idea a lot. Because I, I don't see, like, I, I've heard, so, like, there is going to be a SmackDown women's title match. And, like, it, it just doesn't seem like there's that that match for Asuka. It, uh, unless you're going off the roster, which I, I don't know if they will for her. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I because when uh, you mentioned my uh, my podcast partner John LaRocca, you know, a few months ago we were talking about like what's there for Oscar, and I said Mandy Rose. I was like, I really wish they could get Mandy mm -hmm. Rose ready for her, 
and then they did that match at Fastlane, and it was not that good. So she, you know, what you know, they gave her a shot, and it just didn't work out. But yeah, like Oscar really doesn't have anybody, and you know, she's so great. It, it's kind of kind of bad that you know she had that great match with Charlotte last year, and then you know for this year's WrestleMania, she really got nothing. So it's unfortunate. So Sasha Banks and Natalia, it was really short and pretty much just set up Nia Jax coming out to interrupt the match. And Jax ran down Beth saying she's done more in three years than Beth did in her entire career. And Beth has come back because Jax is getting all of this recognition. She is prettier and stronger than the Glamazon. And this was to distract Beth, who was attacked from behind by Tamina ringside. And the match gets thrown out two minutes, 52 seconds. And Nia just ended it by saying, see you all at WrestleMania. And I guess it's a three-way. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they add others, but at least it, it has to be at least a three way by now. And you know, whatever that like that, that it's that's this is what they've been teasing, uh, you know, for for the for the last few weeks anyway. So no surprise, and you know, adding the two the two women, you know, the 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 two brawling women is fine because it just changes the dynamics of the match. Could you see um, an addition of uh? Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, if they do the uh, the makeup deal or even the iconic somehow thrown into this, who could you see added? Yeah, I mean, I like the first idea better than the second idea if we're talking about <laughs> a wrestling too. match. Um, but yeah, I could totally see that. And and look, you know, you, you talked about it in the beginning, how many matches there are going to be. And obviously the reason why there's going to be so many matches is because they have so many people that they want to get on the show. And this is just another easy way out to get someone on the show is to make, uh, you know, a, a, a three team match, a four team match, or you know, whatever. It's just it's just another way, and it won't hurt it because by making it a multi women match, you've already sort of diluted it a little bit, and it, you're not going to dilute it much more by adding another team. You know, they've done this historically at WrestleMania, so nothing's really changed here. It's been a month. But we have checked back into the dark room that Mojo Rawley has been inhabiting. Um, he despises the word potential, and he starts yelling at himself in the mirror that potential is no good if you don't do anything with it. And he asks, why can't you figure it out? And he starts yelling at himself, and we'll check back in a month and see how he's doing. I was hoping, like, the ghost of Rob Gronkowski was going to be in the mirror or something, but... <laughs> Like that, like it just went. Like I expected something to happen, and nothing happened. So I was, I'm kind of wondering what you know, what the deal is. Like, like they had an opportunity to do something, and they just, they're. I guess we gotta wait another week or or whatever, how long until they do it. But it, it was, I don't know. It's kind of out of left field in, in a sense. Ricochet took on Jinder Mahal. What a styles clash this was. The Sings grabbed Ricochet's legs early on, and Mahal gets the upper hand and. This just match was on pause for about three minutes. Ricochet <laughs> then made this incredible comeback. He did uh, a tilt-a-whirl. Then he went for that springboard uppercut. But instead of the uppercut, he more or less just crashed into Jinder. And the Sings then pulled Mahal to the floor, leading to Ricochet hitting his version of the space-flying tiger drop onto all three and then finished the match with a 6.30, winning the match in six minutes and 46 seconds. And they explained that Aleister Black is on business in Amsterdam. Business meaning honeymoon? Is that is that what it's at? Honeymoon with a heel that we can't name that he is uh, <laughs> married to. Does uh, that? I mean, like three weeks out of WrestleMania and they let him go at that. I mean, it's cool. It's great for him and and his wife. Uh, but 
I just it's just like wow, like they they actually let him go. They're like such a hot team right now, and and he was able to to take a vacation. Uh, the 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 one thing about this, and and this is with every Ricochet match, is that finisher that he has. I cringe every time because of how high up on his neck or on, on, on his shoulders he hits, and like just the. Uh, I, 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 the, the risk there, it seems high to me. Now he's a pro. He knows how to do this move. He's not been hurt, but that, that scares me. And then did you see when he did the dive out over the top, he almost, uh, clicked his, his, his foot on the bottom rope. And if not for the guys catching him, he, he might've actually been short on the dive and, and hit the, hit the side of the apron. So not like the best that we've ever seen him. Uh, but you know, he was in there with, uh, with a, a tougher opponent, but the, the one thing about Jinder is, um, when I saw him, cause, uh, you know, I haven't seen him lately, but the traps are just gigantic, but previous to this match, they did an interview or a commercial for Shane and the Miz, uh, for WrestleMania. And they have Shane in this tank top and Shane's traps look gigantic and I was just like, holy cow. And then you see Jinder and his traps are gigantic. <laughs> so it was like this, like these two old dudes, you know, just with gigantic traps. And, you know, one of them is, you know, one of them is, uh, is shouldn't have, actually both of them probably shouldn't really have traps that big, but more power to them, man. Uh, one of the other things that you bring up with Ricochet is the fact that, you know, in NXT, the 630, like they were very judicious with how often he would use the 630 and, it's it's like the go-to move now like it's going to be his his swanton that Jeff Hardy would have to do at the end of every single match that um you know you just make that that's kind of part of the routine now for for a ricochet match yeah and that's scary to me like i i love i mean it's a great move but it's, it's also it's a move you don't want to normalize either you don't want to right. just become accustomed to seeing like such a spectacular move sure absolutely i agree so then we uh, continue, and it's the announcement that Sue Aitchison, who has been with the company for 33 years, she is the Senior Director of Talent Relations, will be receiving the Warrior Award. Michael Cole adds that he has known her for 22 years. And, like, Garrett, this is, uh, to me, most in line with kind of how the Ultimate Warrior outlined this award when he did his Hall of Fame speech of people that kind of go unnoticed uh, behind the scenes in the company, which Sue Aitchison definitely did, and... It was really telling just to see online today how many uh, past and current uh, wrestlers and people that have been associated with the company just had such glowing things to say about this woman. Absolutely. That was exactly the first thing that I thought when I saw the news earlier today was this is exactly what Warrior wanted. Now, you know, they've done what they've done and they've made their own meaning out of what he said. But this is this seems to be like a correction of of the ones that they've done where this is kind of what he was looking for when he talked about it in his speech. Dasha then interviewed Seth Rollins about his attack on Drew and he better be prepared to get hurt if you mess with my brothers. Tonight is for Dean and for Roman and it's also for Brock. He's not going to be pushed around. Ronda Rousey versus Dana Brooke raw women's title. Michael Cole asks, can Dana Brooke change the course of history? And Dana is interviewed backstage. She, she says, <laughs> Charlie says that Rhonda took out Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. And you're just, and she ends it for her. Yeah, I'm just Dana Brooke. <laughs> and she says, underdogs are ones that make history. And I just have to be better than Rhonda Rousey for three seconds to become the champion. 
Listen, I thought Dana Brooke was so great setting it up to just try and plant like a, a minuscule, dare I say, a picogram for our MMA listeners <laughs> of doubt into people's minds uh, that she could do anything against Ronda Rousey. And Corey Graves said, this would be like me fighting Deontay Wilder. And Ronda just starts the match. She comes out. She's got the angry Ronda look and knees her in the face, knees her in the body. Armbar taps her out in 18 seconds, and she won't release the hold. Referees are coming in. I thought this part was great before we even got to the uh, the post-match stuff. So it felt like Ronda had to stay in the ring for like five minutes while they went to commercial, and then they went to Seth. That's and then right. They, they brought Dana. her out before the break. Yeah, she had to sit through the Rollins interview. She was out there for a while. Yeah. yeah I, and I was like, wow, they're just they're just making her more mad. Okay, this is going to work. And uh, and <laughs> the, the thing that I thought I was wondering, I was like, okay, is Dana going to get like a sneak roll-up two count, and then Ronda's just going to kill her? And then no, Ronda just killed her. Dana didn't even get anything in, so it, it was it was perfect. I mean, it was exactly what it should have been. And I, you know, Dana got to do something on TV, and she played her role perfectly. And Ronda just, you know, Ronda just was Ronda. Like it was amazing. I loved it. So she goes to Travis Brown, and she goes to kiss her husband, and security comes up to her, and she nails the security guard down, and then. Travis Brown decks one of the security guards and he pulls Rhonda over the barricade and they leave through the crowd. Uh, Dana is tending to her arm. They're, they're all concerned that she might have a broken arm from the extended arm bar. I, I just thought this was great. I thought Rhonda just, this was everything you need from Rhonda Rousey at this point, three weeks out from WrestleMania. And even Travis Brown, I, I know some people thought it was a little over the top having Travis Brown get involved, but I, I don't know. I just thought it all worked. What about the forearm that he threw? I thought that looked great. That guy—he's putting his uh, his time around the PC to good use. <laughs> Are we going to get the the UFC 200 rematch with Cain Velasquez at some point? Yeah, that would be awesome. Then we followed that with Apollo Cruz and Baron Corbin. Michael Cole notes there has been an uproar on social media over the reveal of Baron Corbin as Kurt Angle's retirement opponent, and then Corbin put on that that god awful half Nelson chin lock. Uh, submission of his that him and gender just love he hit the deep six for a two count he's in control and then out of nowhere inside cradle by apollo cruz who gets the win in 423 as baron is shocked and then kurt angle comes out to celebrate with apollo cruz what what is going on here <laughs> yeah like i i felt like okay so i like in, in the back of my mind i'm like thinking okay maybe angle like cruz becomes angles like apprentice and and then i thought what am I thinking of? Like they don't, they're not, they're not even concerned about that stuff. This is just what they did at this moment. So it, it was what it was. This made no sense to me that you have a, I don't want to say a cold opponent. Like Baron does get a reaction from people. I don't think it's the, the positive kind of reaction you want from, from a villain. It's more so the, this guy's taking up time kind of heat, but I don't know. I, I don't know where they're going for this. Uh, but by the end of it, like it would not surprise me if this is going to turn out to be, some swerve at the end, given how Baron was booked on this show and also teasing the idea that everyone is upset with this match announcement. So we'll, we'll I mean, see where this goes. We And Vince has done it how many times now where he will come out and he will change the match. Now, 
he won't get this the same heat. He will actually get a humongous cheer if he takes Corbin out and he puts uh, John Cena in. But like that's kind of been been what they've been what they what they've been doing. You know, like you mentioned the swerve, and you know Vince has come out several times to to change things uh, in in the road to WrestleMania. So it's not like it's out of you know that, it's not like it can't happen. Yeah, it's just such a weird setup. Like it's Kurt calling this match. It's not as though. Barron's booked himself into this great position at WrestleMania and the crowd is outraged. It's like, this was Kurt calling it. Like you, you had your, your pick of anyone and you chose Baron. Um, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. I was just kind of dumbfounded by this segment. So do we, we, one, one, one question before yeah. you go. So I was thinking of other guys in angles, history uh, of opponents who, who could have, who could have, it is uh Char- Charlie Haas is he? He's not. He hasn't wrestled in a while, right? Because I was thinking of guys from that era who they could have brought back, sort of in the build to who he was gonna gonna pick. Uh, you know, Shelton kind of they they brought him back for the Brock thing, but Shelton is sort of close to to Angle. So I was like thinking, well, you know, what what is Haas doing? Is he's he's been out for a while, right? He hasn't actually wrestled because was it because of injury? He he just thought he was with Ring of Honor with Shelton, and then kind of just ended things with ring of honor i think he's done like the occasional match but nothing nothing notable since like he's pretty much the 100 retired oh, okay yeah so yeah the, that was just, seems like one of those guys that just totally drifted out of wrestling once he he was done with it good for him so then we had the the sit down interview the satellite interview with batista and i couldn't tell for sure but it seemed like the announcers like rec- like taped their on-camera part in an empty arena during the day, and they just kind of had the crowd noise in the background for Batista's answers. That's what it seemed like. Um, so they, they're they going to get to the bottom of this nine-year-plus grudge between Batista and Triple H, and Batista reveals he doesn't like Hunter. He just wanted to come back and beat him. Cole calls this a very vague answer and says, does this go back to evolution? And Batista says, it goes way further than evolution. He says, Hunter groomed me to be his muscle and used me to protect himself, which means this goes right around the evolution time period. And he was held down by Hunter. Cole then brings up Batista quitting in 2010. And Batista says, Hunter was jealous of him and he left the company because of him. Hunter didn't think he was a star. And look what I've accomplished since I left. And now he's in control without Hunter. Cole then says that I've known Triple H for 20 years. The man's been nothing but fair to me. (laughs) This was great. (laughs) Batista said, that's what he does. He fools people. He's the most insecure and jealous control freak he's ever met. And he has two predictions. One is that Vince McMahon's going to wake up one day and fire him. And the other is that he's going to end his in-ring career at WrestleMania. And then he kicks them, the cameramen, out of his office. I don't know. I was I was left kind of uh, thinking this this really wasn't the the big heel promo Batista needed. I don't know. Did I? Uh, how, how did you feel it came across? Did Batista do enough here for you? I felt like they were kind of beating around the bush of something that Dave is probably kind of really upset about, which was. I'm trying to remember. I think it was before the first Guardians, and and I think the story was that Batista, you know, wanted to do something, and and maybe Triple H didn't think that Guardians was going to be all that important of a movie, so they kind of just like they, put they it made off the joke to him saying that 
they didn't even know if it would be a big success or not. Well, I mean, what, came out. What, which shows you, you know, the bubble that they're in, which is currently WWE all day and all night. But yeah, like I, I feel like that's where he was kind of like he would have kind of wanted to go in, in a sense. But, you know, the, the, they left that a little bit vague. But I, I, if he would have just said like, I, you know, I went to do movies. Triple H didn't think it was, you know, I was going to be a big star. He didn't believe in me. He didn't care. I mean, that's reason enough to be pissed off because Dave did become a big deal. And, and, you know, to think that, you know, maybe Triple H still little brothers him a lot. Like I, that to me, that's enough of a reason to be mad. I wish they would have leaned a little bit more in sort of like the reality direction there because I feel like they're kind of beating around the bush. Yeah, it, it almost seems – I don't know if it's a hesitation that if they go the whole way, does that almost babyface Batista to the people? I, I don't think it necessarily would if it's done in the in a strong and believable way because um, I think Batista is like a great villain character. Um, it's kind of difficult putting Hunter in that babyface role, but I think as playing kind of the, the – this new generation Paul Levesque to the audience, I don't think it's a big stretch to take him as the babyface. Um, yeah, I, I just, I was expecting a more impactful kind of segment because I knew this Batista promo was coming, uh, the, the interview to kind of explain the whole backstory. And I think a lot of people were just kind of left with like, there wasn't that, like, this is what's been eating at you for, for nine years. Um, I, I don't know if they really, there wasn't a whole lot of meat to this, um, for me. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know, the other thing about this is I, I sort of feel similarly, uh, about the, you know, if, if Kurt and John were going to have a match in that this is WrestleMania, it is that big stage. Batista has wanted this match for years and years. Triple H is just getting over being injured. Like, I'm kind of worried about this match too. Not that, you know, I think they could still tell a story, but, you know, they desperately, uh, want, uh, at least Batista, it has just wanted this so much. I'm a little bit worried about, about just how, how the match goes and, you know, not to, I, I'm not going to predict anyone getting hurt, but that is the thought in the back of my mind that, you know, the, the, just the, on the stage, you know, just a little bit fearful of, of them doing something, uh, and possibly getting injured. But, uh, I do worry about this match too, just on the sense of, you know, Triple H likes, likes a specific style of match and it's most likely going to be really long and, drawn out and uh i don't know on this long show is that the kind of match uh, i know they made it no dq so you know they're gonna or no holds barred so they, they will have some devices to uh to, to use but i still i still wonder how that kind of match will play on you know the long 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 show that we're gonna see i can't take credit for this i saw someone suggest it, and i'm sure many people have but i mean if ever there was a year i, I mean legally you'd have to i guess get the, the clearance but Hunter coming out as Thanos seems like such a, a given this year with, with, with Batista. That would be awesome. Uh, it's so timely. It's Batista. Great idea right there. Uh, Charlie responded some very strong words from Batista and then segues to Michael Che and Colin Jost with uh, Braun Strowman coming in. They recapped everything that's gone on. Braun was so flustered. He said that the matter of the fact is... And then proceeded to call those two idiots. And then he announces he's entering the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And Alexa walks in. She wants to broker peace as the host of WrestleMania and has asked Braun to give her a week to make everything right with Michael Che and Colin Jost. And 
Braun acknowledges and says he will give her a week or else they're going to find out what discipline is. Did they play up the fact that they were in the mixed tag together and that's kind of why they get along so well? I guess that was left for the viewer to um, gather from their their past because it was not mentioned. Yeah, and and also in the the Ronda thing, like they kept saying Travis Brown, Travis Brown, Travis Brown, and I wonder how many people were like, "Well, I just know him as Ronda's husband. Like, who is he?" Rather than you know UFC heavyweight Travis Brown, that, that was another one where I thought they kind of, you know, they they weren't explicit enough in what was going on. There needs to be like a pop-up video. Maybe this will happen when they're on Fox. And then even when a name like Dixie Carter comes up, I mean, if there's new viewers, I mean, they're going to need to some backstory here on who these people are. Yeah, they're, they're totally, they so much more so than ever cater to that hardcore audience that watches every week. Drew McIntyre comes out and says that Reigns is not medically clear. Uh, the announcers mentioned that Reigns is not medically cleared to be here tonight. And we did not get Roman Reigns on the show. He said he knew Reigns was not 100% at Fastlane. He relied on the shield. And Drew says this is his yard now. And he wants to speak to Joe the man and asks if he wants to be a hero to all of these fans and challenges him to a fight at WrestleMania. And he tells Joe to look at his children and he wants him to say no to this challenge. Choose your family over these people here because these fans don't give a damn about you. And the beating last week that he gave to Ambrose will be nothing, or to, to Reigns and Ambrose, I guess, will be nothing compared to WrestleMania, where he's going to maim and destroy him. You may have beaten leukemia, but on the grandest stage, you will never beat me. So there's your, I guess, soundbite for the video as everyone cringes. And <laughs> Rollinson appeared on the screen. He is seething. And... We have established Seth Rollins has quite the tolerance for people making leukemia remarks about Roman Reigns. So I didn't know why he was so upset here, uh, but says that was for his brothers and this is for him. And that would set up the match. But um, yes, the challenge is laid out and there we go. It looks like Drew and Roman Reigns somewhere. They look to be an hour four, maybe hour five match at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What, what did you think about Drew's promo? You know, Drew's good. He's he's really good at at what he does, and I, I I you know I wish that he was booked slightly more as the badass that I that I know he he can be and that he comes off as. But you know, he's a he's a main player, and I I feel like uh, he's going to be one of the guys that they really really have to get behind. Uh, in, in the next year, because uh, you know they, they have, you know they have several guys who who they trust in a lot of these main event segments. But you know who who can branch out and become sort of the, like that bigger, you know, that bigger than life kind of kind of guy. And he may he I think he's got you know maybe the best chance of, of the folks who are not there as their top top guys yet. I, I really I really enjoy him. Um, and and I, I would love to see them finally, you know, finally go all the way with him. And uh, hopefully this is kind of the beginning of that. And and uh, look, him and Roman, I think, are going to have a great match. But again, you know, when you're on a show with so many matches and you're going to have you know a handful of them as, you know, 15 to 20 minute matches, too. You know, I just hope that they're creative and they don't just, you know, tell a normal story because you're going to have to have variation. But I'm really looking forward to this match. I think they're both so good. Yeah, I, I think that sometimes, like WrestleMania, it's 
Sometimes it's a crapshoot. You don't know what the atmosphere is going to be like. You don't know how tired the crowd's going to be. It's to me like the later you go, it's it's a lot on your shoulders to be going out with. And there's the notion of wanting your time at WrestleMania. I think there's also something to getting like a solid, you know, your 12 minutes and leave them wanting more and you just get a really super hot 12 minutes uh as opposed to going out there and getting 30 minutes and and risking something where the audience is naturally just going to have that tune out. It's uh, it's always a gamble. You don't know until that night and after the match like what it's everything is viewed in hindsight. I mean, and it's almost why sometimes that pay-per-view after WrestleMania when they do a couple of these main events, those matches almost shine more Mm-hmm. because they're not lost in this long shuffle of matches on WrestleMania, and you can sort of focus on a couple more. But I, I, I fully expect this match to, to stand out and be good. I just hope that they... You know, I, I hope that they're creative in, in making some of these matches a little bit different so that, you know, that, that long show uh, just doesn't drag. So they brawled on the floor. The match begins. Uh, Drew is in control, and he's attacking the back of Rollins um, after... Uh, driving him onto the back and then catches him off a suicide dive and turns him into the barricade. Drew then gets a chair but gets super kicked and Rollins comes back. He hit the what a comeback this was. These two suicide dives and then a sling blade super kick and he's just going a million miles an hour here. Drew catches him in the corner, delivers the inverted Alabama slam and Rollins shoulder just smashes into the mat. Rollins then scales to the top with the superplex into the Falcon Arrow. Whole crowd is chanting, burn it down, as Brock's music plays, and Seth Rollins falls under the trance of music and turns around into a Claymore kick, and Drew pins him in 14 minutes as they go off the air. And like this really feels like this could very well be your post-Mania title program or whenever, Um if if Brock is sticking around for one more month, maybe you do the rematch. But this seems pretty poised that Drew is in line for uh, a big run here post-WrestleMania. Yeah, definitely. And and I guess that's the reason why I'm not too bothered with uh, with how Seth, Seth lost this match. Because it does set up a natural uh, Drew as the, as the next guy. But again, like I said, you know, in the beginning, I, I, I do want him to look strong against Brock at least once going into it. Uh, I, but I, I get the underdog story, but man, you know, if, if this happens for the next three, the next three shows, uh, they're going for the surprise or, or, uh, of Seth winning or, or maybe not winning, you know, depending on what, what, what Brock does. But yeah, I, I thought, I thought the beginning and the end of the show were, uh, done really well and strong and the Ronda stuff I really loved. Yeah, I mean, but every, you know, every raw these days, you're going to have so much filler and so much stuff that doesn't mean anything from week to week. But at least those three things, I, I really liked about this show. Do you typically watch Raw uh, close to live on Monday nights? What's your usual viewing habit for Raw? Actually, almost never. I watch it uh, later in the evening when I can skip through a lot of stuff. And uh, the 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 main the main reason I don't watch live though is because it's kind of early over here, and you know I'm still finishing up with work and stuff, and and I'm not really always home uh, and in front of the TV at five. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, it, it's it's just easy when you have such a long show to to get through the commercials, and you can you know you can cut the, the time down in half. But uh, you know, lately though. 
I've been watching SmackDown because I do the Observer Show with Dave on Tuesday nights. And I, you know, I generally would do the same thing with SmackDown, but now I'm watching SmackDown almost not not quite live, but in full. And uh, and, and that show's actually a pretty good show for uh, for two hour show. Whereas Raw, you know, like I said, if they cut Raw down to like ninety minutes or two hours, I think Raw would actually be pretty darn good every week. I, I agree with you. I think that SmackDown typical, like, I never find SmackDown drags. I mean, I find that to be a pretty easy watch most Tuesdays. Um, you, you just, I think maybe some of it is also coming off of Mondays, but I, I agree. Like, you could have a really tight two hour Monday night program, um, with, with the, with the talent that you have and just being able to space things out. I think that it would make an enormous uh, difference at this point, but uh, that change is not occurring. Uh, so, that is going to uh, – we will say goodbye to Garrett at this point. Um, but, Garrett, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us. It was uh, really great to uh, do this, and I really appreciate you uh, spending your Monday night with us. And I want to let all of our listeners know where they can hear more of uh, Garrett Gonzalez, whether it be uh, the Wrestling Observer site as well as uh, with John LaRocca. Yeah, so uh, on uh, on the Observer, I've been doing – a few more shows with Dave, and, and the reason why we're doing more shows is because when Dave hurt his hand, he actually couldn't do any writing. And what he realized is he was really getting a kick out of doing the audio. So even when he came back and his hand was a lot better and he started writing The Observer like the old days, he was still interested in, in recording uh, a few more shows than he was doing with Brian. So I've been doing those with him and, and, you know, they've been a blast. You know, when you have the opportunity to do a, a an hour podcast with someone who's, you know, who just knows as much as he does and has been around for so long. It, it, I mean, it's just been a blast for me. And uh, I think he gets a kick out of it too. He's having fun with it. So uh, on the Wrestling Observer, we I probably do. I'm guessing at least a minimum of two shows a week these days with him. And and sometimes when we have interviews with with other folks, we'll add a, a weekend show. But uh, it's and it's great experience for me to to continue to do this. Uh, I, I I mean I grew up wanting to be in radio, so this is kind of like uh, well my my career didn't go that way as a fun and passionate hobby. You know, I really enjoy doing this stuff. So, um, yeah. And also the fight game podcast with my buddy, uh, John LaRocca, who is the booker of, uh, Northern California wrestling promotion called APW, which a lot of people will remember because of Roland Alexander. Um, and, and, and so he's, he's kind of been, he was an understudy of Roland, you know, going back in the day. So he's kind of, you know, continuing to do that stuff. And he's just really smart. You know, when I get to watch wrestling with Dave and John, like I, it, it's amazing because they know so much and they have so much history and knowledge and understanding of the business. So the stuff that I do with John is, is a lot of fun too. But yeah, otherwise, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. And, you know, I don't hope that that way, uh, goes on extended vacations except for his own health and his own, uh, his own freedom. But anytime, you know, you need, you need me to step in or whatever. Definitely just give me a ring and, and I can find a time. I, I greatly appreciate that. I was I was waiting for some write-in votes for the Observer Awards. I think Garrett should have been up for Rookie of the Year. <laughs> this is like um, Satchel Paige from uh, when he joined the, the majors when he was like in his 40s. He won Rookie of the Year or something like that. Like I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty old to be a rookie, but yeah, no, <laughs> that would be pretty funny. My final question before I let you go, uh, I know you, you've talked a, a lot about, uh, you know, the real unfortunate passing of Luke Perry, and I was an enormous 90210 viewer. Uh, did you migrate over? Have you been watching Riverdale? Is that in your wheelhouse? 
So I have two kids. Uh, one is uh, 19 and the other is 18. So Riverdale, when it came out, uh, we missed the first season, but because of Netflix and great streaming services, uh, we were able to just kind of watch, binge watch it. And so me and my youngest, he, he was into it and I was like, okay, let's watch. So we watched... Uh, and the first two seasons were actually really well done. I, this this current season is the third season. I thought it kind of... Uh, it's pretty out there. Yeah, like, it, it's too out there for me, and so it, it kind of fell down my pro- priority list for watching. But the first two years of Riverdale, I thought was pretty darn good TV. You know, thinking of that big idea of the Archie's comic universe in the setting that they have it in. Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. And, and I mean, there's, there's so many little things that I love about it. You know, obviously Luke Perry being in it, but you know, Molly Ringwald playing the mom and stuff like that, where I was just like, oh, this show's perfect for me. It's it, me and my wife. It's our guilty pleasure watching that every week. We do not miss an episode of Riverdale. So it's, yeah, it's very sad. This, the, this past week's episode, it's, uh, there's a scene with Luke Perry at the, um, uh, What's his name? Skeet Ulrich's character mm-hmm, is having mm-hmm. his birthday party. Oh man, it's it's just so sad. Did did they figure out how they were going to write him out of the series? Because I imagine they're still going to do it because it's a pretty strong series for that network. Yeah, I mean the thing was like this season is still in the midst of filming, so it's not as though they'd even wrapped up this season. So it's going to have to be like one of those unfortunate ways where they just figure a way to have to explain him out of the series um yeah i i, I don't know how they're, they're gonna do it um if he just disappears if they i i don't know what what do you think they do with him yeah that that's tough it's uh you know it's sort of similar to how in in uh in the new star wars trilogy they sort of have to write um carrie fisher's character out though right um you know it's just it's just not that you know someone passing there's a good time at all for any of it but uh, you know, he, the, in the other thing that I don't know if people know this, but, you know, they were rebooting at least somewhat of a version of Beverly Hills 90210. And, um, right. There were talks of him knowing that he's got a busy schedule. He couldn't really do their, their reboot, but there was talks of like, Hey, maybe we can, you know, film an episode where you are able to kind of just make a cameo and you can kind of come by and do a few things. Like you don't have to be as involved as the rest of the cast. And that was definitely a discussion. And, uh, and, and, you know, so he was probably going to be involved at least somewhat with that. And now, you know, now they're, it's like they're, they're bringing, they're finally bringing back some version of that show, which fans have been for the last 20 years, hardcore 90210 fans have been screaming about. And finally, when they do it is when he passes away. So that's another little wrinkle to the story. That's, you know, really sad about the way that it happened. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Garrett, uh, we've kept you uh, very long tonight. So thank you so much. Love to do this again with you uh, sometime. And again, we appreciate it very much. Thanks. Thanks. I hope uh, I hope everyone uh, gets the WrestleMania that they that they want and deserve. All right. And I'll be back momentarily. Go through your feedback and we'll also tee up what's happening later this week. All right, so thanks again to Garrett for joining us, and we're going to quickly go through your feedback. Uh, Tonight's episode of Raw, on a scale of 1 to 10, the forum gave this a 4.13, so does not get a pass three weeks out from WrestleMania. Let's hear from Alex from Maple. 
writes, Not a fan overall. The Ronda segment was great, and the initial Brock and Seth interaction was good too. Angle versus Gable would have been great a few years ago, but Angle isn't Angle anymore. But things like the women's tag tag title build, the underwhelming Corbin announcement, and in general just a lackluster build to WrestleMania has been sad. Last year, I bought a last-minute ticket and sat ringside for WrestleMania because it had so much. Nakamura AJ, Ronda's debut, Brian's return, Asuka Charlotte, The Undertaker Cena, and Brock and Roman. This year just seems so unexciting. Asuka doesn't even have a match, and Corbin is facing Angle. I honestly am more excited for TakeOver. Sean from Toronto. This week I had Raw on in the background, and I did other things. All I'll say is that Baron Corbin was the most predictable and boring choice as Kurt Angle's WrestleMania opponent, and that heel Ronda Rousey should do less talking and more squashing. And finally, uh, we have a few here. Andrew from Cape Breton. You may have beaten Leukemia Roman, but at Roman, you won't beat me. Has to be the most pro-wrestling line I've heard in a while. Had he said this Friday at the Omni, it would have been fantastic. Raw was interesting tonight. Dana Brooke had the best match of her career, and Ronda's whole night felt weird. Not only did she... Not that she did anything bad, but that she came across as this badass. It was like how Becky Lynch was when she turned heel. She got yelled at by a referee for showing up late and shrugged it off like a badass babyface would. And no offense to Dana Brooke, but nobody cares about her. I know they tried to get people behind her, but she usually puts out bad matches when she wrestles, and she barely does that. I know Natalia and Bailey are doing something else, but they may have been better choices for this, as they are people the crowd might have sympathy for when they get beaten like that. I guess I'm thinking people are going to start cheering her again and how she was presented tonight. And lastly, it's kind of funny that the heat they are getting for Baron Corbin is based on him being really bad, and people wanted Kurt Angle to face a good wrestler for his last match. Anyway, okay show, 6 out of 10. I will disagree. I thought Dana Brooke was perfect for that exact role. I do not want to see Sasha or Bailey placed into that position to lose in 18 seconds. I thought Dana was the perfect choice for that particular spot. And I thought she did great with the promo. I thought it was, I I really have no complaints about that segment with Rhonda. Paul from New Jersey. Takeaways. A Chicago crowd chanted, we want Cena. Tamina Snuka has merchandise. Alexa Alexa Bliss gets fed the worst writing. Jinder Mahal, Apollo Crews, and No Way Jose and Dana Brooke received decent time on the show tonight. Seems like a build up to mania and more like an episode of main event. Seth Rollins fell prey to block Lesnar's music. Four out of ten tonight. Jay from Colorado. I get that Kurt Angle is older, slower, and not able to do what he used to, but there's got to be a better retirement match opponent than Corbin. Having Corbin be the boss at the end of this retirement tour is like having Malekith from Thor the Dark World be the end boss at the end of Avengers Endgame. No one wants this. A great tie-in, Jay. And Jalen from Pickering. This Seth build sucks. He's busy fighting battles with and for his shield boys while Brock stands there and does nothing. He has more beef with Drew than Brock at this point. I think it's fair to say that Braun has fully achieved Ryback status. And hopefully the Kurt match is a quick squash. I don't care who wins. Just make it quick and painless. Not happy with Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin are most of the people writing in tonight. Uh, And that's fair. I don't think people are necessarily expecting a big match any longer. I think they are just looking for a quick win by Kurt Angle in less than eight minutes. And I guess we'll see if they tease anything more beyond that. And do you want to put Kurt in that role where he's expected to pull off a big match? I don't know if you do want to put him in that spot because I don't know what you can reasonably expect and... Maybe just the, you know, get the heat on Kurt, makes the comeback, ankle lock, everyone's happy. Um, I think people know they're not getting Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio from 2002. It's a different era. 
Kurt is that much older. He has been through a lot. And I think that maybe Baron Corbin is in some ways almost a safe opponent because the expectations are so low. They're almost non-existent for it to be a, a great match in any sense other than a big pop for the finish, hopefully. Uh, also notable tonight, uh, they kept – Roman Reigns off the show, but also like nothing with Dean Ambrose that makes you feel like last night was or last week was the full write off of Dean Ambrose, which I guess it was Um, no need to bring him back at this point. It's good heat for Drew McIntyre to be the one to eliminate him. And I I do believe that they are priming Drew McIntyre to be a big kind of post WrestleMania opponent for Seth Rollins uh, if he is winning the title. And that makes it interesting how you book Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns at the show uh, at WrestleMania as well. So a lot of interesting questions there. All right. This has been a lengthy show. Uh, before we go, let's quickly go through the schedule this week. Uh, on Tuesday night, I'm going to be back with Rewind to SmackDown, and I'll be joined by Brian Mann, uh, the former co-host of Keep It 2000, Rewind and Impact. I guess, review and impact. Uh, he is going to be joining me. Then we've got the double shot for our Post Wrestling Cafe members, which you can sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, I have got a bunch of stuff to review. I was hopeful I was going to be able to watch the Evolve 124 card and then review it on the double shot. Um, so I ordered it on Sunday night, but then it was not available on demand. They got it up on the site overnight um, by Monday morning. I had no time to watch it today. It was just way too busy, and I'm I'm being honest that Tuesday will probably be just as busy, so I don't know if I'm going to get to watch Evolve 124, but I will have reviews of Being the Elite, Total Bellas, as well as several others. Uh, shows that I have uh, watched over the last couple of days. So there will be no shortage of content on Double Shot, and it's going to be me solo. So I hope you can withstand my voice for that amount of time uh, Tuesday night. On Wednesday, we have the British Wrestling Experience. We're going to have Benno and Martin Bushby joined by Jamesy, a legend in the Irish and German wrestling space. Uh, they're going to be chatting about their live uh Reports from OTT Scrapper Mania, where Jordan Devlin defeated Walter, and from the most recent 16-karat gold tournament that WXW put on. So that is coming out Wednesday. Wednesday, I will also have a chat up with New York Rick from the Ariel Hawani MMA show, uh, the producer of that show. He is going to be joining me for an MMA chat. We got a lot of positive feedback to the interview I did with Cody Saftik last week. So more MMA chat coming up on Wednesday. On Thursday... Live in studio, Damian Abraham returns to the post office. Him and I will be doing a show here in studio. Uh, I'm sure we will go in many, many different directions. It's always fun chatting with one Damian Abraham. And we'll also have a new edition of Up Next with Braden and Davey on Thursday. Friday, Wei Ting is joining us from Hawaii for Ask Away. You can still submit your questions to the mailbag up at forum.postwrestling.com. We will go as long as we can on Friday, uh, but not too long. We don't want to take away from Wei's vacation, but he's going to be waking up very early Friday morning, his time in Hawaii to record that show with me. And then on Sunday... I will be presenting a New Japan New Japan Cup final post show uh, right after the finals. So that will be a Patreon show. So if you sign up for postwrestlingcafe.com 
Honestly, this is a great time to sign up because not only are we doing multiple bonus shows every week, not only are you in the draw to win a piece of post-wrestling merchandise every Monday on this show, but WrestleMania weekend is approaching and Way and I are going to be pumping out a lot of shows. We are going to many, many cards WrestleMania weekend and we're going to be doing shows every single day there on the post-wrestling cafe. So that is the best place to sign up to get not just all of our new shows. You can also go back into the archive and I'm getting dangerously close to the hard sell, but I think it's a great value whatever tier you join up in. And of course, it supports post-wrestling, and we do thank you. And the final plug, if that is not enough, post-wrestling, live in New York, happening on Sunday, April the 7th at the Broadway Comedy Club. Tickets available for $25 if you are a patron of the Post-Wrestling Cafe, $20 per ticket, and that's happening Sunday, April the 7th. We'll have a meet and greet from 11 a.m. until noon. Then we're doing our Q&A from 12 to 1.30, and then we'll do a meet and greet afterwards as well. Uh, the reason we're doing two meet and greets is because people are coming for the Q&A. Some want to stick around afterwards for the meet and greet. Others want to get going to wherever they have plans uh, right after the show. So if you want to still do the meet and greet, you can come earlier, and then you can leave at the end of the Q&A. So we're just giving people the uh, the wiggle room to do the meet and greet if that is something that you are hoping to take part in. Some people don't want to meet or greet me, and I completely understand that. Maybe you just want to come for the Q&A. That's cool, too. But that is going to wrap up the show. Thank you to Garrett again for joining us. Go check out uh, check out all of his work, and I'll be back on Tuesday night after SmackDown.